Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome their own life's challenges and made our world better. People who have taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host. Thank you for joining me. Well, Corey, welcome to the Lemonade Stand. I am honored and excited to talk to you today. So start out by telling me three things about yourself. Three things about me. Um, I am married to my very best friend and love of my life, Amelia. We have three amazing children. Kind of life's for me starts with my family. Um, and we love to travel. That's the second thing I'll say. And um, I'm the president of the Big D Construction family of companies. So I'm in the construction business. Nice. I see those signs, Big D. That's a popular thing around here in Utah. I hope so. That means that we're doing our job. That's good. That's awesome. And I also understand that you have a lemon to lemonade story that maybe you could share with me today. Yeah, I thought about that when you uh, asked me to be on the podcast. And I actually have, I think we all have lots of lemon to lemonade stories, right? Definitely. And so um, I have, there were two or three, um, and we may or may not be able to share them all on this podcast, but um, some of them are small, but I feel like some of the things that we have to do, some of the smaller um, lemon to lemonade moments help us get ready for the big ones, right? Right, totally. One of the things that came to mind is when I was growing up, I was extremely shy. Um, I, I didn't have a curfew because I didn't need one. And my parents would go to parent-teacher conference and they would ask about how I was doing and they would say, well, he's doing okay, but we forget that he's in the class. And so, um, and if you, if you're my friends and listening to this today, they, they never believe me. They say, yeah, right. You were never shy, but I was extremely shy. So after high school, a um, couple of things happened. First, I started going to after hour events, uh, events with my dad, um, who is the opposite of shy. In fact, my dad is extremely charismatic. So I was spending a lot of time with him after high school. Um, and so that was something that helped. And then I was a laborer in the construction industry after high school and had to interact with people every day on the construction site. And then last, I chose to leave Utah and my folks for two years on a Christian mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Houston, Texas. And by the time I'd been serving the people in Texas for a couple of three or four months, I found myself not being shy anymore, but actually outgoing and probably a little too boisterous. So... I look back now and there are many steps and family and friends that pushed me towards maturing and overcoming the shyness. So that was actually the first lemon to lemonade idea that I had when, when I was thinking about this was I forgot, you know, there was a time when I could have never done a podcast, <laughs> let alone what I do today. Right. That's amazing. I love that. That's inspiring too, that we can change. Just because yeah. we're one way, we can work on it and become another way by going through different experiences. So I love that. That's great. Yeah. So um, that kind of led to kind of the next lemon to lemonade type of stories, right? So I'm on this mission and I read this amazing book. It was by Viktor Frankl. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. A Man's Search for Meaning, right? Um, and that really changed me what I would say forever. It's been like this impactful. It's not that actually long of a book. I reread it again a couple of years ago. And, and I was just, it was right for me at that moment in my early twenties. Right. And the book, for those who don't know, is a true account of a man who lived through some of the most 
vile and disgusting parts of human history, really, in a Nazi concentration camp. And um, he found that those that survived, himself included, weren't those who were necessarily physically strong, right? It was those who retained control of their environment, who saw the world in a different way, who chose their response to what was happening, right? He said that, you know, he would find joy in whatever he could. And this guy's family was taken from him, ripped from him, clothes, dignity, limited food, horrible conditions. And he decided to say, well, what do I have left? And he's, he said, well, I have my attitude. I have my, my, my ability to see the world and to have hope and to be kind to others and those kind of things. He said that if you have a strong why in your life, a guiding purpose, that you can bear any how, right? And I feel like that is, a, is, is just awesome. So not long after reading this book, to get back to my lemon to lemonade story, um, I got a call from my mission leader. He said, hey, your parents are going to call you. And at that time, um, on these types of missions, your parents didn't call you. You wrote home. You might talk to them on Christmas or Mother's Day. That's it. So it was kind of a big deal. And I was excited. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. My parents going to call me. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. So um, my parents call and I'm like, hey, how are you? It's great to hear from you. And they explained to me that they're getting a divorce. And it was kind of like this weird thing where, of course, I was concerned and, you know, I cared for them. But my response generally was, well, whatever you guys think's best. That sounds great. You know, and I honestly inside was and I had just read this book. Right. <laughs> but I honestly inside was kind of feeling like, well, whatever. I just I'll just roll with it. Um, it just didn't affect me as much as you might think it would. Right. Um, and then not long after that, um, maybe a week later, I get in this big car wreck um, in Houston. And luckily, I didn't get hurt. I was okay. And I go to pay this. It was my fault. <laughs> and I go to pay this ticket. And I'm just happy go lucky. How are you being super nice to the lady I'm paying the ticket to? And she finally says, like, what, what, what's your problem? Like, why are you so happy? Like, how could you be this happy? You just got in this major wreck, you know? And I thought to myself, well, I'm serving others. And I truly believe that serving others brings true happiness. Right. And number two, I had chosen, there was really nothing that could affect me compared to a Nazi concentration camp, a wreck and a divorce. And those kind of things were nothing. Right. And so not that I've always been good at this. Don't get me wrong. I am not always good at choosing happiness and seeing the world that way. But it has affected me every day for most of my life. Wow. That's powerful. I love that. It sounds like it was perfect timing to read that book, but that you remember the words in the book and be able to live your life that way and just be like, you know what? This is okay. And I'm going to get through this. I think that's a great attitude and it's a great way to live. So thank you. That's awesome. You're an yes, inspiration just with that. <laughs> You're kind. I guess. So again, I kept thinking about this. Um, and today, in fact, if you say to my kids, happiness is all three of them will say a choice immediately, like automatically. Um, I wanted them to learn as soon as they could in life that, that so much of our happiness is, is in our own hands, not in the events or circumstances or fortune or misfortune. I absolutely. I right. That. Yes. That's what I try to teach all the time. I love that so much. 
Yeah, I was on your um, website um, and I noticed that there were some very similar uh, ways that we're seeing the world, you and I. I love it. So I'm just sitting here nodding, nodding at everything you say. <laughs> it's so awesome. I love and I, it. The, the other thing I've thought to myself in the past is, have you ever known a happy person who's unkind or unpleasant to be with? Right? Um, I can't think of anyone. And so I wanted my kids to learn this truth early that, you, you know, you can't build your happiness on someone else's unhappiness. Um, I think sometimes when you're young and immature, um, trying to make your way that you feel like maybe you could tear someone down a little or, and somehow that's going to lift you up like bullying, right? That's kind of what bullying is or catty remarks or talking people behind their backs, um, or being arrogant. But if you think about it, happy people aren't negative. Happy people aren't cynical. Happy people aren't mean. So if life's taught me anything, it's that kindness and pleasantness and optimism are characteristics of, of happy people. So that's that's my mantra in life is happiness is a choice. That is so true. It is. And it's not dependent on anything else. You get to decide. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You can decide how you're going to react to it. So, I so love that. true. <laughs> well, another important part of my life is is my marriage. And some of the listeners may disagree with me, but I think I have the most amazing marriage in history and the most beautiful wife ever. Um, and I would say with great humbleness and thankfulness that we have an amazing marriage. Most of the why behind that happy marriage is because I married someone like Mary Poppins, who's practically perfect in every way. Um, but I will say that for whatever reason, I always believed in storybook true love. Somewhere along the, along the line, I believe that that type of love was possible and I expected it. And I don't know why or where that came from. It just was, I don't, I, it's just who I was, you know? And I truly think that decision to believe in true love is similar to seeing the world a different way and choosing to be happy. Right. And I still think that that's one of the reasons just believing that that's possible and acting in that way in seeing the world that way is why we have such an amazing um, marriage. Um, even though you go through problems in your marriages and there's, there's tough days, there's often trouble, but most of the time happiness is, is a choice, even in your marriage, right? One, one you make in response to what's thrown at you, it's like how you see the world. So I feel like I am so far from perfect and I'm not the best husband in the world. That's for dang sure. But once you both believe that that's possible and once you both say, hey, that's what we expect, I think that goes a long way. And it's not to say that divorce or, or separation isn't sometimes the right thing. It, it can be. Um, but I do feel like it's the same thing. Like the way you see the world can totally affect your ability to be happy there. So my wife's taught me a lot. One of the things that um, she's taught me is to be brutally honest. That's the other reason I feel like we have a good marriage is I remember we were first married, we didn't even have kids. And I came home, I was working a lot. And I came home one day and she says, this isn't going to work for me. And I said, well, what isn't going to work? Well, you're, you're never here. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here all the time. And she's like, no, you're working weekends. You're working late nights. This isn't going to work for me. So she said, I'll make a deal with you. You can work late as much as you want during the week, but the weekends are mine. I, I'm one of those husbands who never has to figure out if I'm in trouble. I know immediately if, if that's the case, I know in, within seconds. And so I think that's been something I've learned 
that has been super helpful, certainly at home. Um, but I learned to do that with people at work too, and my friends. And what I found is that backed by love, backed by them knowing that you care about them, if you can be brutally honest early, you'll have way stronger relationships. I feel like, have you, do you see what I'm saying? Have you seen that before? Totally. Yes, totally. I love that. I love it when you can know that someone has your back and that you're on the same page with them, but you can only know that if you're being true to yourself and being authentic. So I love that. That's great. Totally. So the, I did, I read two books back when I was in my twenties that were, that were somewhat life-changing for me. The other one that you probably have read also, these are fairly famous books, is um, The Greatest Salesman in the World by O.J. Mandino. Have you not read that one? I don't think so. Oh, you have, it's a must. Oh, okay. You have to read it. it. You have yeah. to write it down. Yep. The um, Greatest Salesman in the World. Yes. And it's not what it, you would think it is. It sounds like it's a sales book. It's not really a sales book. It's more like true north principles of how to lead your life. And it's very easy read. I think it's a hundred pages, something like that. Um, but there's a principle that I still use today, every day that's in that book. Um, it's a, I call it a secret, secret weapon to attack life's problems and heartaches. And it's simply love. Um, a loving heart can help us to quickly change our emotions, right? From anger, jealousy, contempt, laziness to one of hope, faith, peace, happiness kind of a thing. And so he talks about that. So, um, can I, can I read a brief section of this book to the listeners? Would that be cool? Absolutely. This kind of, you can't, it's hard to explain unless you hear the poetry behind this book. So for this is the greatest secret of success. Muscle can split a shield and even destroy life, but only the unseen power of love can open the hearts of men. I will make love my greatest weapon and none on whom I call can defend against its force. My reasoning they may counter. My speech they may distrust, my apparel they may disapprove, my face they may reject, yet my love will melt all hearts likened to the sun whose rays soften the coldest clay. How will I confront each whom I meet? In only one way, in silence and to myself, I will address him and say, I love you. Though spoken in silence, these words will shine in my eyes, unwrinkle my brow, bring a smile to my lips and echo in my voice and his heart will be opened. So that's just a small little piece, but I have legitimately used that since I read that book every day. If I have a heart HR issue, if I'm going after a new client, if I'm talking on a podcast, if whatever it is, if you can approach life with like love in your heart and think to yourself, even though unspoken, I'm going to approach this with this in the spirit of love, which we don't talk about in business that much. We talk about it in home life for sure, but it's just as important. It doesn't matter where it is. And especially if there's conflict, Absolutely. approach it with that. And I honestly, it can change your life. Wow. As simple as that sounds. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that part where, where if you think in your mind, you don't even have to say it. Of course, you're not going to say, I love you to every person that you come across, but you think in your mind, I love you to that person and what it does to your face. I didn't realize that, but that's exactly, if you have that thought as someone approaches you or is about to meet with you or have a conversation, it's going to change your face. I love that idea. I'm going to have to yeah. start doing that. And I think, what do you think with parenting? I don't know if you have teenagers oh, man. approaching totally. it that way. 
Totally. Yeah. You know, I think about all the relationships in my life and I wasn't going to share this, but quick story. I, I told you earlier, I have this podcast called the gentleman project podcast. And we had a guy named Brady Murray, who's become a friend of mine on the podcast. And I have a temper sometimes, right? Like I can lose, I have a short temper, um, not so much never with my wife or really much at work, but with my kids. And I don't know why I had this bad, I'm bad at it. Right. And, uh, Brady was talking on our podcast about how he was interacting with his teenagers because teenagers, you know, they maximize that, that small, that small fuse on my temper. And, um, he said he had got after his daughter one night because he really cared about her. He loves her. He wants to do the best in life. And, you know, we want what's best for him. We want him to learn. We want him to be the best adults they can be someday. And so he was kind of hard on her and his wife pulled him aside later that night and said, honey, is the way you treated your daughter today, the way you'd want her future husband to treat her? And that sounds simple, but that about ripped my heart out because I put my wife on a pedestal and I treat her like a princess. And I thought, I'm not doing that with my teenage daughter. And to some degree, my younger kids too. And it's totally changed me. Every time I'm about to lose it, I think, how would I want her future husband to treat her in this situation? And that's been about two or three months. And we have a totally different relationship. I explained that to my daughter and the same thing. She looks at me different. She sees, oh yeah, like how would I want to be treated and how would I treat my future husband? And it just put this, you know, paradigm shift in the mix. And it's funny how you can have simple things like that change your relationship. So yes, love, um, coming from that place, especially when they're, you want to pull your hair out. Um, and then ultimately even this paradigm shift, this thought of how would I want their future husband to treat them, you know, is, uh, or, or wife, my wife does the same thing with our, with our son. She's like, Oh yeah, you know, I don't want him to marry someone who's mean to him or always rude or like always on him. You know, I want someone who loves him more than that. So anyway, that was a great aha moment I had in my life just months ago. Totally. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that little nugget. That is priceless. Yeah. I hope people really take that in to their hearts and their minds and their lives, because that is key. That's a really great way to have a better relationship because I think we tend to kind of think we own our kids and we can control them or decide everything for them and make them be what we want them to be. And that doesn't work. And it just causes contention and it causes fighting and bad feelings. But if you look at them as a human being and someone who needs love and respect, like you would a spouse, I think that's a great way to treat them in that way that they will flourish when you treat them that way. They'll be the person they can be. They'll be their best selves. So Yeah. And it's not like with your spouse, you don't say, Hey, don't you think we should do something different? Or don't, you know, you have conversations about, you know, I I am a believer in being a parent, right? Because I think there's a lot of parents who want to be best friends. I'm not talking about that. Because if you want to just be your, your son or daughter's best friend, that doesn't always work out. (laughs) But if you can be, uh, if you realize, and I think you mentioned this, there is no script. There is no, this is what they're going to do. There is no, you might have this vision of how it's going to roll. It's not going to roll that way at all. Never. Right. Nope. <laughs> but like you said, if you can come from a place of love, respect, um, and, and treat them 
you know, their own individual. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm far, 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 far from perfect. You know, I make mistakes every dang day as we all do, but same. um, (laughs) Yeah. It helps to have, you know, like I'm sure on your podcast, you're now a different person than you were when you started it. The things you learn each time from someone else and you keep those little things you learn and it makes you just that much better every time that I'm like, I can't wait for the next person. I can't wait to hear something else that's going to make me want to be a better person. So I love it. I've been humbled by some of these podcasts. There's amazing people out there. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about your podcast. What exactly do you do and why did you start it? Yeah. So it's called the Gentleman Project Podcast and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I I co-host it with the founder, who's a good friend of mine, Kirk Chug. And he had at the time years ago, I I think this was maybe seven years ago now, he had these two five-year-old twin boys and he did custom suits for people. That's his business. So he would refer to his clients as gentlemen. And, um, you know, I, I delivered this gentleman a suit. I fit this gentleman for a suit, whatever. And he came home one day and his five-year-old twin said, well, what's a gentleman? And he thought to himself, how do I explain to a five-year-old what a gentleman is? So he started journaling with his boys and, and eventually all of his kids, true North principles, kind of one at a time. Hey, you know, a gentleman does hard things without complaining. Um, or a gentleman opens doors for ladies or a gentleman um, follows the golden rule right? Whatever the true North principle he felt like they needed, he would teach them. And then once he felt like they internalized it, whether that took a couple days or, or a week or two, then he would move on to the next journal. And then they would journal like what they learned, what they did to learn it. And, and then I heard about this years later, and I was so impressed and interested in this idea of purposeful parenting, which I felt like at the time I was just kind of rolling, you know, like, yeah, I'm trying to teach them things, but it's at, as it comes and as it pops in my head. And, and I think many of us are that way. And I, totally. I was so inspired by Kirk. So I started doing that with my kids. Um, and, and I wasn't near as good as, it, as Kirk was. I wasn't as consistent, quite frankly. And so I would talk to Kirk about that and I'd be like, we need to do something to inspire more parents. I said, and we had over years, uh, mostly Kirk, but we had talked to other parents and we had about a hundred people journaling, you know, which was cool. And we had little groups, we would get together and discuss, you know, how it was working. And eventually, um, you know, just this last year, we decided, you know what, a podcast can make us go from a couple hundred people to potentially, or hopefully a million people, because if we can inspire a million parents to be better and to raise ladies and gentlemen, how cool would that be? So that's what the podcast is all about. We find people who um, are have great personal interest stories that, um, and I'm, I think almost everyone we've interviewed, I've been humbled by and thought to myself, oh man, I could do better. And you realize when you talk to people and you're introduced to new people, that others admire, because usually it's through past podcast guests that we get new guests, that there are some amazing people out there and the world's a better place than you realized. And, um, and I get, I get very humbled and it has changed me. I'm a different person than I was last year, especially as a parent, because of, I think you called it these little nuggets that help. Right. Right. 
It sounds very inspiring to be able to listen to that. And I love that you got on board with that and that you are trying to make everybody better. And in the meantime, as we're trying to improve and help other people, it only can do it to ourselves, right? Oh, totally. In fact, I feel selfish now. I didn't start it selfishly, but now I I need that next podcast so I can learn stuff. (laughs) Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I'm like, who's the next person I could get little nuggets from and learn from and be a better person from? I love that. That's exactly what I do too. Yeah. (laughs) Just be inspired by others is the best way to go. And I don't know, I'm sure you share your podcast with your friends and family, but one of the things that's been awesome is I have, I share the podcast with my kids and it's not necessarily me teaching them. Right. Right. It's these other people, usually who are friends of mine, in some cases are somewhat famous and well-known and, you know, that kind of a thing. And so that's been an an unexpected benefit also is being able to teach my kids through the podcast, but not because I said it, but because someone else did, which, you know, sometimes has a greater impact. Yes, it totally does. They listen to everybody else. (laughs) So that's awesome. That's a great idea. So it is something that's kid friendly as well. Like kids can listen to it and learn from it. Yeah, most of the time it's kid friendly. You know, there are some times where we get into you would depend on how old your kids are. You know, you might get into things about drugs or um, you know, a couple of friends have been amazing stories about how their kids came out and said that they were gay. And just great insight. Like if that happened to you and you've listened to these podcasts, you'd probably react totally differently, right? And of course, the, the, the reaction by all those parents, whether they did this or not, some, some said I totally failed and others said I did pretty good. But the first thing is love, right? Just, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to love you no matter what. So just know that. And I think kids need to hear that, whether it's, you know, something big or something small, you know, I didn't do good on a test or I, I was rude to someone or, you know, I'm coming out or whatever the case might be. If we can, if we can lead with love, then, you know, that that's a commonality of success as a parent. Right. Cause mostly what you hear from kids is they're afraid to talk to mom and dad. That's all they ever say. Oh no, I'd never tell my parents that. Oh, I'd never say that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, to me, that's the worst thing as a parent to know that my kid's like afraid to tell me because I'm going to freak out or I'm going to be upset. Or I'm going to be sad or mad, you know, and I'm like, wait, no, just tell me, let me love you. All of you. I just want to know what's going on in your life. I just want to know how you're feeling. I love you no matter what. It's not dependent on all these things, but they think that. They think it is because we do, they test us and they give us a little nugget or they bring home a bad grade and we fly off the handle and they're like, okay, don't show that to mom again, not, not do it. (laughs) Just don't tell mom. And that's when they get that idea. Oh yeah. My parents can't handle my life. And they start keeping to themselves and then it just distance you more and more. So if they know that you love them and you accept them, or how would you treat a friend or a spouse? That's exactly like what you were saying. We need to have that love for our own children too, that acceptance. If a friend comes to us and said, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I made this mistake, you would embrace them and you would support them and you would love them no matter what. But your kid, for some reason, you take it personally and you own it and you have to freak out and then they don't want to come to you again. Yeah, I think that's very well said. We had a good friend of mine, Mark Massey on the, on our podcast. And 
he said, you know, I started to realize that when I was upset about those things, it was a reflection of how, of me, yep. not of my child. It was a reflection of me caring what other people thought and kind of looking inward instead of looking outward and loving my child. Exactly. It was a reflection of my insecurities. And I think that we do that. I do that as a parent for sure. Like yeah. you got a bad grade or you acted this way or whatever, right? Um, yeah. Usually that's because of my insecurities, not my child's. And so if right. we can see it the way you said, like it's a friend coming to us and how would we help them? I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, it it, it is. And it, it's funny because like you said, we take it so personally and we feel so like this is a reflection of us, but I could tell you, I don't have any friends that I look at their kids and the bad things or the weird or different or odd or frustrating things their kids do and judge my friend for it. I never do that. And so why do we think that people are doing that to us? You know, it's like, okay, their kid is making dumb choices. Their kid is living their life. I don't look at my friend and go, oh, you must be a really bad parent. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't do that because I know that kid is an individual and they can make their own choices. And so it's funny, but then when our kid does it, we think, oh no, everybody's going to think I'm a bad parent. So it's just a crazy cycle. We need to realize well, and be easy on ourselves, right? Totally. And I think what you, you realize in life too is there's amazing parents whose kids go off the deep end sometimes. And there's okay parents whose kids are amazing. <laughs> You know? yes, right. And There's, it really just, it's not the parent necessarily, the parent. right? It's, it's, yeah. it's really just probably what they need to learn and what they need to, how they need to grow in life. But. Exactly. Exactly. That's, it's been, and it, and it's funny, you can see that in, in just a family, you know, you have three, four, five kids. So obviously it's not the parents when you have a couple of kids that do one way and a couple of the kids that do another way, you know, the parents are the consistent thing here. So Let's stop judging parents yeah. for how their kids behave. Let's realize kids are individuals and they are making their own choices and let's love and support each other. Cause right now those parents could use that support as well. Obviously their kids are doing things that they're not happy about, but we got to love them and see okay. what happens. Watch them, watch them grow and, and see where they end up. It's okay. Yep. I love that. Well, you are such an inspiration. I love it. I'm excited. I now have a new podcast I'm going to start listening to. So I'm excited <laughs> to put that on my uh, subscribe list and, and check it out. The Gentleman Project. So sounds yeah, great. It's a good one. I do have one more lemon to lemonade story if you'd like it. I got to hear it. Yep. I got to hear here. this. It was the one that my wife brought up when I asked, well, what do you think, babe? What's my lemon to lemonade story? Right. So um, years ago, I was persuaded to leave my somewhat steady job. This was like in my late 20s and go out on my own and focus on real estate and private equity. And I found out super quickly that the gentlemen I'd gone into business with were not great people. Um, they actually were willing to lie, cheat and steal to make money. So it took me hiring attorneys, spending all the money that I had at the time to get out of these businesses and out of these partnerships. Um, so then after that happened, I had no job, no money. <laughs> and I had a cute new family and a wife and young kids to support, a mortgage to pay, all those kind of things. Um, so I was stressed. I was overwhelmed and I was scared. And I feel like that taught me though, that when my back is against a wall, that again, you can decide your, how you're going to react. You can decide your attitude. And 
um, I quickly determined that. So I conceived a strategy to start my own sales and marketing firm by leveraging the relationships I built in the construction industry. I started the firm and it was, was quickly successful in signing new customers and winning new business. But the lemonade was what I learned in those couple of years. It was packed full of, I probably grew and learned more of those couple of years of heartache, right? Which is typical than I have any other time in my life. Um, number one, I learned how important it was in choosing good partners. Um, you know, it's kind of like the second thing to a marriage. Your business partners are, are really close right, to that. Um, most important, however, I think was the realization that I could do it on my own, right? I'd always had a job and I went out and was an entrepreneur and basically failed with new partners, but then rebounded with my own business. And I think there's something special about that. Um, I think that you can't really be truly entrepreneurial until you've lost everything and it's been okay. Because you look at the world again differently. You go, oh, the worst that can happen is I start over. And I did that once. So I can do that again. Um, and I think that frees you in a lot of ways, right? You, you realize that it's going to be okay and that to take more risks. Um, and so that was my kind of my last lemon to lemonade story was, you know, quite frankly, you wouldn't wish that upon anyone to go through those kinds of experiences. Um, but everyone knows, and I'm sure it's been said many times on your podcast, that's where I grew the most. That's where I learned the most. That's created the person I am. So I'm thankful for that experience, although at the time it was stressful. Um, so anyway, I thought I would share that business related yeah, lesson no, learned. That's great because I think I think when you're saying that I I just think to myself that failure is really freedom. You know, it's not a stopping point. It's just a jumping point. It's like, okay, now we've hit the bottom. Let's go. You know, and you don't have to be afraid. And so we should look at failure as something to embrace and go, okay, good. Now I know what not to do or now I know what didn't work go from here and you just learn more and more. And so we look at failure as a way to just stop progressing and beat ourselves up, but we need to look at it as this freedom and now a prog a progression of how to go forward. So I think that's great that you shared that. That's awesome. But that we can look back on our problems and say that we're grateful for them. That's huge. That's really huge to be able to do that. I don't think there's anyone in history who is, has been truly great, like truly amazing. Um, inventors, entrepreneurs that hasn't failed a lot. A lot. Right. In fact, if you haven't failed a lot, you're probably not that successful. You're probably not great. Right. right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. You know, you can't help but think of like a Thomas Edison type of story. Right? Totally. Yes. Um, Benjamin Franklin, on and on. There's so many. Or even just actors or activists or politicians, yes. anybody you can look at and just go, wow, yeah, they've lived a life and they they know. And that's yeah. why they are who they are. Yeah. I think you yeah. could say failure is key to success. That's exactly it. So I'm yeah. so glad you said that because that's exactly what we need to do and, and not wait around until we think things will be perfect before we do something because that will never come. So if you feel inspired or encouraged to do something, you need to just do it, whether you're ready or it's perfect or not because it's the learning as you go that is critical as well. Yeah. Amen. I, one of my other favorite books is think and grow rich. Yes. <laughs> and um, 
I'm a big believer in thinking big. Well, that's what we call it at Big D because it goes with our name, think big. But it is true. Like if you, what the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. That's a famous Napoleon Hill quote, right? I truly believe that. Totally. Um, And it doesn't matter what it is in life. It could be a business. It could be a relationship. It could be, I hope I can inspire my kids, right? When to have that mindset. Like when we say prayers at night, I try to get in there many, many times, you know, you can do anything you believe you can do. As long as you work hard, you can get there. You can do it right. Might take, you have to be persistent. You might have to work hard. You might have to fail often. You probably will, Yes. (laughs) but you can do it. So I think what you said is, is so true. If you have an idea, you know, think about it more, think about how to bring it about and what you think about, you bring about it'll, it'll happen. That's right. Just do it. This book, it's called moon, moonwalking with Einstein. I guess Einstein believed that two people could live the same amount of time, call it 80 years, but this person has moments that, that make them 120. And this person has moments that only make them 60, meaning that he believed you could actually stretch time by making memorable moments and memories. I'm going to make memories with my kids. I'm going to extend time, things they can't forget and that I can't forget. And that was really a cool, one of those nuggets that was really impactful to me was, oh man, yeah, he's totally right. Um, That, you know, my kids don't remember what they got for Christmas, but they remember a trip or they remember when I took them out of school and took them to lunch, you know, without it being expected or, you know, they remember moments we create that aren't the ordinary, the out of the ordinary, the, it doesn't have to be huge, right? It could be a picnic. It could be a, a trip. It could be um, an unexpected gift, whatever. I thought that was really insightful. That's exactly what we forget because we get in that daily, just, just survive, just get the kids to school, get them home, get them fed, get them, you know, and you forget to just take those moments and just make a memory with them. Well, thank you. You are thank a complete you. inspiration. I love this. So Thanks for taking time to talk to me on my podcast and I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to hearing your gentleman project podcast. And I just appreciate your time. So thank you for being so inspiring. Heidi, thanks so much for having me. You're very kind. You're still here. Well then click on the next episode to get more lemonade.